Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We're bringing the best and the brightest in the world in the business, marketing, and baseball, or should I say banana ball, to help you harness your own inner tenacity to drive your career forward. My guest today on the podcast is Jesse Cole, the man in the yellow tux himself. Jesse is the founder and owner of Fans First Entertainment, home to the one and only Savannah Bananas, as well as the Party Animal Baseball Teams. Party Animals, sorry. Jesse created Banana Ball, which is a twist on a classic baseball game meant to be the most entertaining, engaging, and fan-first event in the game. You got to check out the crazy rules like the, the showdown tiebreaker. It's, it's pretty cool stuff, and you got to embrace it and just get into it. And Jesse got his start as a leader in the sports and entertainment world at the age of 23 when he was appointed general manager of the Gastonia Grizzlies. When ticket sales were moving slow, he jumped into introducing fan-first class entertainment. You know what? Let's get into it. You guys could go to ESPN. You guys could go to YouTube. You could get the whole story. I'm excited. And I think my 11-year-old daughter is even more excited than me to have this chat. Jesse, welcome to the podcast. Excited to be with you. I saw, yes, your 11-year-old daughter is familiar with us with on TikTok, I saw, right? Absolutely. And, and I think that's an amazing part of the strategy, and we'll get to that in a little bit. So as I said before... We have a little bit limited amount of time here, and anybody who wants to see the full story, ESPN, you could check out the documentary Banana Land. You could go on YouTube. They have an amazing 19-minute video. You get the whole story. I mean, there's no shortage of social media clips by design, <laughs> which is certainly part of it. And anybody who's watching this on YouTube, you could see that Jesse is wearing his signature yellow tux. But I want to get into it. I want to talk a little bit about the backstory. And you were a huge baseball fan growing up. I'm a See, we have... The enemy of my enemy is my friend. I am a tremendous Mets fan. I'm a born and raised diehard. I, I have Shea Stadium seats right over there. You can't see them off camera. I have my Pete Alonso autographed baseball. I got my Bobby Valentine special card, which I'll send you a picture of after because it's it's really cool. I think you'll like it. But you're you played college ball with dreams of making it to the Red Sox. What happened there? Well, ironically, the the first professional team that I heard from was the New York Mets. So Marlon McField, the scout for the New York Mets. So I was getting Christmas cards every year with actually Shea Stadium in snow. It was beautiful. And they were fully coming at me. So that's ironic, the Mets. Uh, yes, no, I had dreams playing professional baseball through in the 90s as a pitcher, Division One prospect, full scholarship, tore everything in my shoulder, and that ended my career, uh, which was the best thing that ever happened to me because I would have been an average ball player at best. Um, but I, I was meant to put on a show and, and see baseball in a whole different way. And from P.T. Barnum to Walt Disney to inspiration from SNL and Circus Soleil and Grateful Dead and WWE uh, really tried to turn baseball into something completely different here with the bananas. I mean, anybody who watches it, will, and we'll get into that stuff in a little bit, they'll, they'll see all those inspirations, which I want to get into. But let's talk about that that dark time when you did, you know, when you when you were injured. How long was that period, that time period, Jesse, between being injured and having this revelation that you're meant to do something bigger and better and different in the sport? Yeah, going back it had to that to be period, dark, man, right? 
Yeah, I mean, for me, I played baseball my whole life. My father uh, bought a baseball facility up in Massachusetts. I mean, that was it. I went to college to play baseball. I mean, that was my life. But uh, yeah, and then when I finished, when I got injured, got injured, everyone's like, Jesse, you're going to go coach. So I went and coached in the Cape Cod League, one of the best leagues. And I'm coaching all future major leaguers. And I'm bored out of my mind. So the real revelation came with like, hey, I love playing the game. But just like Walt Disney sat at the park at his two daughters on the Saturdays he had with his daughters at Griffith Park, and he watched his two daughters go on the carousel, he said, I wish there was a place adults and kids could have fun together. I sat in that dining room and I said, man, I am bored watching this game. I wish there was a game where everybody liked watching it and having fun together. And that's where the revelation happened. I mean, isn't, isn't that the knock on baseball from non-baseball like passionate folks like us? That it's boring. It's slow. Right. I'm sitting around all day. I love it because it's for me, it's an event. Traditional baseball, the way it is now for me, I mean, it's just something that I'm used to. Yeah. But you flip that shit on its head and with banana ball um, for folks out there. Well, because they may not be familiar with the story yet and they're going to get into it when, when you what was it like when you had the revelation that you're going to buy the team? Well, you know, I started as a 23-year-old GM of that team in Gastonia you referenced, $268 in the bank account my first day. Couldn't pay myself for three months. So there was a lot of learning there. It took 10 years to turn that from 200 fans a game to sellouts on a regular basis. It's where I met my wife, Emily, uh, and proposed in the yellow tuxedo in front of a sold-out crowd in Gastonia, then went to Savannah. Had no plans to buy another team. We just had that team in Gastonia. But then we came to this ballpark that's behind me right now. At 1926 Stadium, Babe Ruth played here, Hank Aaron, Lou Gehrig, Ted Williams, Dan Musial, FDR gave a presidential address here. We walked in, the New York Mets affiliate, Ironic, was playing, yeah. um, and DeGrom was actually on the team, ironically, and oh. sitting there, and oh. there was less than 200 fans of the game. And I'm looking, I'm like, where is everyone? Beautiful city, Savannah, old historical ballpark, no one's there. And it was that point I said, we got to put a team here if this team ever leaves. So they left. And they said they needed a $40 million stadium. The city said no. And we convinced the city to give us a chance. And we came here and proceeded to fail miserably. And that was back in 2015. <laughs> and and anybody who's going to pick up your new book, uh, Banana Ball, which comes out on the 16th, the show will come out uh, a few weeks afterwards. You infuse so much of this these business learnings throughout the way. So tell us what it was like to walk in. That first day when they hand you was like a like a like a janitor set of keys, right? Like they give you the keys to the kingdom. And I, anybody who watches this video, I mean, it looked like a hurricane tore through this place. You had to be smiling because you knew you just bought something and you were going to change it. But there had to be a level where you were definitely scared, a little bit trepidous. Walk us through that first day when when they handed you those keys. Well, well, everything is, you know, where you came from and the perception in the sense that I, I came from an old ballpark in Gastonia, an old high school ballpark, you know. And so at this stadium, even though the phone lines were cut, the Internet lines were cut, the former team took everything out of the stadium. They even put the tarp on the field to burn the grass. They were not happy about leaving. Let's put it that way. <laughs> as bad as that was, I was like, we have big locker rooms. There's a merchandise store. Whoa, there's a deck that overlooks the field. I was like, this is amazing. You're so positive. Oh, where I came from, I was blown away. And I was like, this is majestic. This is historical. So again, if I came from a brand new stadium in minor league baseball and came to this, I'd be like, whoa, this ballpark's in tough shape. But it's where I came from. And again, I think that's so important to, you know, uh, to zoom out. And I think so many people just kind of look at, you know, the, the great book called The Gap and the Gain uh, by Dr. Benjamin Hardy and Dan Sullivan. Most people put themselves in the gap because they have this, they measure themselves against the expectations of their ideal. The most the happiest high performers, they put themselves in the gain because they look at where they were before and they measure themselves backwards. So I was looking at where exactly. we were now and I was like, whoa, we're in this majestic stadium. This is going to be amazing. 
I love your optimism. I love your I love your perspective. And I'm curious where this entertainment, uh, what do I want to call it? Where this passion for entertainment come from? And I couldn't find any stories in the research, but there's mm-hmm. there's one story of dragging your bat to the plate and being anxious as a kid. What gave you the confidence now, right, to literally show up every day and be P.T. Barnum? <laughs> well, you know, I look at my kids. I have two, a uh, five-year-old now and a four-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old, two foster Jeez, daughters. And the first time, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and the first time, you know, they went swimming. They went in the water. They were scared. They barely dipped their toes in. The next time, barely dipped their toes in. It took weeks to get them swimming. And I think it's all about getting your reps in. You know, now I'm fortunate. I'm, I'm speaking all over the country. I've spoken at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Gillette Stadium in front of 10,000 people. I've done a lot of big speeches. My first time, I was petrified. So it's a, it's about once. It's, it's so simple. But once you get your reps in, the first time wearing this yellow tuxedo, I was like, what are they going to think of me? Because it's not about me just trying to be about me. It's about getting attention to what we're doing. It's my uniform. It gives permission for us to have fun. So for me, the confidence, again, a few things like, People didn't realize in this new book, Banana Ball, I talk about my theater background. I actually, after I tore my shoulder, I went full-fledged into theater. I was the only jock doing theater around people, thespians that have been doing it for 20 it years. Like, it sounds like a 90s movie or one of those Disney teen sitcoms, right? Yeah, so it does sound like that a little bit. But where yeah, the jock like does a dance thing with, uh, with Channing, Channing Tatum, where the hell his name is. Exactly. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> High school musicals, all that kind of stuff, But which we've now actually done a lot of those videos with the bananas. But the reality is I... I I, I read all those books, P.T. Barnum, Walt Disney. Mm-hmm. I read about entertainment. And then we just started trying. The first time we had dancing players, the first time we had a break dancing coach, the first time we did the banana baby, everything yeah. is iterations. And as Walt Disney says, you got to continue to plus the show. And that's what we did. So I gained confidence through a little bit of my background in theater, a little bit of the idea of trying new things. And then every game, you know, experimenting and seeing what happens. So it's interesting. And, and you've talked about how, you know, the P.T. Barnum quote, there's a sucker born every minute was actually not. P.T. Barnum, no. right? But one that was actually pinned to him by a circus rival. rival. Are there, yep. Yeah. Are there any points of criticism that like, you know, you, you hold these folks on a pedestal. You have P.T. Barnum, Walt Disney, Vince McMahon, all these like great promoters and creators of our time. Are the things that you look at they do and say, I don't want to do that? No, oh, 1000%. I mean, you look at anybody that was truly very, very successful you know, have some vices. They have some things they're not good, not good at. I mean, yeah, I mean, you just mentioned Vince McMahon. Obviously, he's got a, a dark past. And, you know, I, I and Steve Jobs, everyone immortalized Steve Jobs. He was really, really mean to a lot of people. Jeff yeah, Bezos, one of the biggest inventors, innovators of our time. He was really tough on a lot of people. Walt Disney was a chain smoker. No one even knew that. I mean, he, he was well, also- Back then, everyone smoked. Like, kids came out of the womb. They were like, lighting up I over know. There. But Walt was very tough. P.T. Barnum, you know, it was his way or the highway. All of these people have. And I, I think no one's perfect. What I try to do is take the best of each one. Walt, uh, P.T. Barnum, there was no greater promoter ever in the history of More the world. More than Vince. Oh, it's not even close. I mean, and, I mean Vince took all these, like, disparate little wrestling federations, brought them all together and brought it oh, together. Oh, yeah. What, what Vince in, in the 1980s and today is brilliant. But, but P.T. Barnum had the world watching. The world, literally, in you know the 1800s, and presidents and and the queen invited him everywhere. He understood the power of creating attention. He understand about thinking big. He's like, I'm going to put an elephant in front of my museum yep. just to get people to see it. I'm going to put up signs backwards so people start noticing. I'm going to hire people to write stories about Jenny Lynn. Forty reporters, not about her singing, but about her her, her personality to get people. So, like, he was a promoter. That's what I, I try to take the best of each person. I, for the last two weeks, I've been writing down on this little yellow pad the quotes that you're bringing up that kind of bring up to me. And this story is hit them where they ain't. Hit them, hit them where they ain't. Right. When you apply that to marketing, be different, stand out. 
But standing out sometimes isn't always great, but it comes down to having the confidence to test and, and iterate. Talk to us a little bit about how you guys incorporate fan feedback into um, the, the the routines and the show and the performance. Yeah, I mean, everything we do is we put ourselves in our fan shoes. So every night someone goes undercover. We park with the fans. We walk in with the fans. We sit with undercover the fans. Boss. We eat with the fans. Uh, yeah, but it's – yeah, but, and then we write out – at the end of the night, we share what were the friction points in the fan experience. It, the starting point of all innovation, the starting point of creating raving fans, which is what we are working to do. You know, we spend $0 on marketing, but we invest everything in the experience. You know, with now – from sleeping on an airbed, which I didn't even talk about, to selling only two tickets and literally having to sell our house to now the wait list for tickets is over 650,000 all around the country. That's it insane. is because we eliminate the friction, we invest in the experience, and we create a product and a service and experience that our fans will do the marketing for us. So, you know, everything is putting ourselves in their shoes. And from fan feedback, we watch. People don't realize when we invented Banana Ball, it wasn't just someone said, you need to have a two-hour game and fans need to catch foul balls for an out and you need to steal first. We started taking videotapes and uh, filming and taking pictures of our grandstand every 30 minutes from when the gates opened to see when fans got up, when they sat down, when they looked at their phone, and when they mm -hmm. left for the night. And by watching that for an entire mm -hmm. season, we did that. That helped us say, you know what? We need a two-hour game. We want our fans to want more, not to want less. What is what is the feedback from from traditionalists or current or former major league baseball players when they when they watch this sport from a um, rules and games perspective? Are they there's open two, to it? Do they love it? Yeah, there's two vantage points. If, if they just see it online, they're the more negative. As soon as they come to it and see it in person, you know, Jake Peavy saw the first ever game down in uh, Mobile, and he sat in the dugout, and he literally got on the news that night. He goes. I'm going to get in shape. I need to play. I need to be a part of this. And then he's pitching the next year and pitched again this year. Revitalized him. Yeah. Once and Nick Swisher said, you know, this past two weekends ago in Tampa, 10,000 people waited through a tornado warning in the rain for a thunderstorms and they didn't leave their seat. They sat there, 10,000 people. And he said, I've never seen this in my entire career. This is something truly special. So once you see it, but yeah, I mean, it's not for everybody. There's going to be people that say, you know, it's it's a circus, you know, batter stealing first and there's dancing and fans catching foul balls for outs. That's just ridiculous. No bunting. Yeah. Bunting's a part of the game. But we're not for them. We're no. for so many more people. I mean, it's crazy now from selling two tickets to now having over 10 million social media followers. It's crazy, but it's because we're focused on other people. And, and you can't be for everybody, right? Like you can't have that mindset where you're like, we're trying to be for everybody. If, you, if you're going to embrace it and you're going to love what we do, we're going to give you the best possible experience. Hey there, fellow podcast listeners. I'm Kevin Logan Jr., host of the Immutable Mindset Podcast. If you're fascinated by Web3, blockchain, and disruptive technology, then you won't want to miss a show. Join me and co-host Adam Posner as we introduce you to an incredible lineup of successful entrepreneurs, builders, and industry veterans who share their insider knowledge, unique perspectives, and personal stories that will leave you inspired and crave you more. Like Mike Isogawa, the CEO of Webacy, who shares her journey from being a Cirque du Soleil performer to a cybersecurity pioneer. Or Dave Schwed, COO of Halborn, who discusses the future of digital asset security and how the future of assets will be tokenized. We also break down complex topics into digestible bits, perfect for both experts and newcomers to the world of Web3. So if you're ready to stay ahead of the curve, subscribe to the Immutable Mindset Podcast now, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I want to go back to social media for a little bit. Crazy thought. Imagine P.T. Barnum had access to TikTok and Snapchat right now. Right? <laughs> what yep. would he be doing? Well, he'd be uh, – imagine combining The Rock and Taylor Swift and uh, 
you know, Kevin Hart all in one social media platform. And that would be P.T. Barnum. Because <clears throat> what P.T. Barnum realized was he would bring the most talented and unique and creative people together and spotlight them. You know, he made Jenny Lynn into a hero. He made General Tom Thumb into a hero. He made all of his characters larger than life. So imagine if he had all that opportunity to say, I'm going to promote you, boost you, send you out, show the best of you on every social media platform. Imagine General Tom Thumb and Jenny Lynn's uh, TikToks. They'd be crazy. Mm -hmm. And so um, he did this by the written word. I mean, he wrote numerous books. And by speaking, he was a great speaker. He could captivate an audience. And so he, he did that by speaking and then great ads. He would do over-the-top ads back then that people actually sought after, like an ad during the Super Bowl. So I think uh, there's so much to learn from P.T. Barnum, even though we're talking 150 years to, you know, ago. It's, it's amazing. And, and talking about your social media, when it was so funny, and, I, and we were talking about this a minute before, when I, when I, when I said to my daughter, I go, oh, she's involved in my podcast. I have her on a couple of yeah. times uh, a year. And I'm like, oh, have you ever heard of this banana bowl? She's like, dad, look at their, look at their TikTok page. And this is an 11 year old girl in New York. Who's never been to a, uh, mm. Georgia has never been to a game. Let's talk about that social media strategy. You said you're not investing, you know, into the, into the promotion, but obviously you have a, you have a team behind it and you have a strategy. What, what is that strategy? Is it literally oh, just as simple as letting the content talk for itself? No, it's, it's, it's more strategic than then. It's easier to look at a strategy when you start looking backwards. A lot of times you don't start with a strategy, but you start realizing what you're doing that's working and that and becomes your strategy. So, <clears throat> so for instance, for us, our flywheel, learn this from good to great Jim Collins. Amazon obviously has the greatest flywheel in business right now. Flywheel is something, it's a virtuous cycle. If you push on one, it pushes to next, pushes to next. You know, Amazon's lower prices, then drives more customers, that drives more third-party sellers, which yeah. then drives all the prices, et cetera. Ours is our live shows, our live events, drives more content because every live show we're doing 10 to 15 things we've never done before in front of a live crowd drives more content capturing that content drives more traffic to our website to our social that drives more demand that more demand drives the need to drive drive more shows which then more shows keeps that cycle going on so what happens for us that's our yeah so that's our flywheel so now that we develop that what we look at is from our creative standpoint is that every single live game we have, we have numerous cameras. We have a broadcast with eight cameras. We have about six or seven other creative people. We come up with OTT ideas every week, over the top ideas, 10 to 15 every night. And then we capture those, put those out on social media, all of our platforms, a unique video every single night that we have a game. Then we see which does well. Then we put those on the other platforms, drive those. And then it's a quantity leads to quality. And then the quality keeps pushing upward and upward and upward. So it's how it's how yeah, we had we had one million followers last year, and we're about to hit ten million, and you know, we're growing about a hundred thousand a week right now, and it's based based on this flywheel that we built and our creative flywheel, which is a separate thing that starts with ideas. Ideas drive everything. So when we come up with ideas, then that films the process. We follow an SNL rotation of Saturday Night Live ideas to table read to scripting to rehearsals to rehearsals in front of a live crowd, then the rehearsals and then actually doing it in front of a game, capture it all week to week to week to week. So. Pause on this for a second here, and I want everyone listening to take a deep breath. I want everyone to hit the rewind button. I want everyone to replay this at 0.5 speed and yeah, take those b- business lessons learned there because that was that was insane. But you weren't always, you know, you obviously built this organization up. I want to talk a little bit about how you bring not this baseball talent, but the talent within your organization. What is I mean, I'm sure you're getting flooded with applications, internships all the time when you have an open role in your interview. And what are what are. What's the approach to hiring and building a team? And what are some of those secret Jesse Cole interview questions to really suss out someone's character and skill set? 
Well, I'm very fortunate now that I'm actually not doing the interview. I'm, I'm actually meeting, we're hiring new full-time people every single week. So I'm meeting new people every week, which is fascinating, um, but also makes me proud of our team. So for us, you know, we've only had two people leave in the last three years. Um, and they've given us six months to a year notice, which is crazy. Um, <clears throat> we have a wait list now that's over 3,500 to work with us. I believe in attracting over recruiting. So yep. most people try to recruit, recruit, recruit. Well, the best way to attract, the best way to bring great talent is to attract. How do you attract? You scream from the mountaintops who you are and what you stand for, and you put it out in the world. And so for us, we're very clear. We lead with vision. What we're trying to do, we're making baseball fun. We're fans first with every decision we make. As Walt Disney said, money doesn't excite me. My ideas excite me. I have no idea what's in our bank account. I haven't known for months. I don't pay attention to our bank account as an owner. Clearly I pay attention. question. Yeah, I don't pay attention to that. And then what we do is uh, in our interview process, we ask for a video cover letter because we want to see you right away. You know, I can tell and our team can tell within three to five seconds, do we want to hang out with this person more? What, what is their energy level? What's their enthusiasm level? They're hitting our core beliefs. Then we have, to do, have them do an essay on our core beliefs. How are they caring, different, enthusiastic, fun, growing, and hungry? And then we have them do a future resume. Not what you've done in the past. What are you trying to do today? Future resume. What are you going to do in the future? Because we're fascinated. If one of our, if two of our core beliefs are being hungry and be and uh, and be growing, if you say you're going to be a, a ticket account executive for the next three four years, you are not growing and hungry. We want someone to say something very big and 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 you know that we admire and that we'd want to work for or work with, and then we build on that. And it's an exercise for them to think bigger and not just think about their current position, but yeah. think about where are they going. So that's what we go through the process. It's a three-month hiring process. We hire mostly from interns. We bring interns in. We test them. They get into really a stress test, 4,000, 10,000, 15,000 fans. How do they act? How do they react? What fans' first moments do they create? And then every month, yeah, this is this is serious. This is serious business here, but it's interesting. You talk about not knowing how much money is in the bank. Like at, you guys yeah. are obviously growing in an incredible pace and scale. I mean, how do you even approach building without knowing what the what the? I mean, you have other people worry about it. Well, again, you, you bring you, in the right people. Well, one of the biggest manage. things I, te- I teach our team, and I struggled when I first I did is me and Emily. We did finances, sponsorship, ticketing, hiring, food, beverage, advertising, promotion, everything. Burnt out every day. And then mm-hmm. I, I found, you know, everyone says, follow your passion. I don't agree in that. Follow your energy. Do what gives you energy. And so I created my energy list and I started doing an energy audit. It said, what in my given day gives me energy and what doesn't? Spreadsheets, numbers, operations, finances. It doesn't inspire me. It doesn't nope. motivate me. Sharing, creating, and growing. Coming up with ideas. Sharing what we're doing. Speaking. It's not the best use of your powers. It's not the best use of your passions. When people are passionate, they're gonna, they're gonna. The output is gonna be so much better than focusing on shit they don't want to be doing. Hundred percent. If I was worried about money, I would, I would have ticket fees, convenient fees, service fees. We would not pay everyone's taxes. We would have advertising at the stadium, which we don't. And I would have, and I would have accepted the million dollar ticket offer I got from a scalper with a half million of profit, wow. where they were gonna double what we were paying. I turned that down in a second. So it, that money doesn't inspire me. Our team tells us we're fine. I know we're selling merchandise all over the world. I know we just bought a 20,000 square foot warehouse and we got people, 15 people shipping merchandise every single day. I know we're doing okay. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> and, 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 and to pivot quick, we have about five minutes left here just from a time check perspective. Um, the talent for the team, explain to everybody, this is, correct me if I'm wrong here, these are our are, are, are college player summer ball? 
No, we are now fully professional. We eliminated that team. So now we went all in on Banana Ball, got a lot of criticism for it. But, you know, I'm not focused on where we are. I'm focused on where we can be. And I'm, and that's that's a big thing that I, I was, you know, I'm not paying attention to the past. I'm looking at what are our future fans. Our future fans are the young kids all around the world that yes. want something fast, exciting, that they want to play and emulate. And so that's why we went all in on Banana Ball. Where do you see the sport going as far as mainstream adoption and other teams that are adopting? Like if you think about pickleball, pickleball is the, you know, the funny yeah. thing about pickleball. Pickleball was being played. My, my parents' retirement home in Florida ten years ago when they built the courts, right? Yeah. And it's a little bit different, but I'm saying the adoption. Now you have major league pickleball teams there, and and and, yeah. and folks in the entertainment world are investing, and it's becoming a democratized way of buying teams and everything. Banana ball. What's the vision of expansion? Yeah, I mean, we've been fortunate. We've been reached out to by the biggest companies, investors, Mark Cuban, you name it. I mean, they've reached out. I'm not interested. You know, again, I don't want uh, – I'm focused on uh, not the next quarter, but focused on the next quarter, quarter century and long-term fans over short-term profits. So I'm not paying attention to that. You know, I, I think uh, – I learned a lot from Mr. Beast. Yeah, 23, 24-year-old, oh, yeah. um, you know, obviously the greatest YouTuber ever. And, you know, he says, he says every day I'm just focused on creating the greatest video possible. Every day I'm focused on creating the greatest show possible. And as Walt Disney said, plusing the show. What's happening from that is we're getting opportunities. We've got numerous offers from major league teams, major league stadiums to bring banana ball to 40,000 seed. Um, we've even heard from your team, the Mets. We've heard from a lot and about bringing and bringing major, bringing our banana ball games there. Uh, we've heard from Japan and Mexico and different countries all over the world about bringing banana ball. We've heard from cruise ships about doing bananas cruises. We're, we're going to have a lot of opportunities. Um, I think for me, the key is, are we continuing to grow the show, grow our culture, and, and create fans? I don't want to be the next billion-dollar brand. I want to be the next billion-fan brand. And yes. if we keep focusing on the show, the content, the creation, the ideas, I think we're going to get there. Let's talk about the, the book real quick. And comes out on the 16th of May. Who is it for and what do you want folks to walk away from after they read it? I look at books. Thank you. Good question. I, I look at books differently. I think a lot of people look at a book as this end all be all thing. I look at books as chapters in your life. So this will be my third book. My first book, Find Your Yellow Tux, talks about how I found the way to stand out and be different. Talks about my early days in Gastonia. Fans First talk, was our next chapter. Talks about who we are and what we stand for. That's always going to be our legacy of Fans First. This banana ball was the next chapter of launching something completely innovative, completely different, and taking a huge risk to do it. And I had Don Yeager with me on tour this past year as we launched it and capturing it and working with us to say that, tell this first chapter of what we're creating and then going behind the scenes, sharing more personal that I've never shared before about my theater background and my childhood, which is uncomfortable. But the goal, uh, I think with this is, yeah, it's, it's storytelling. You know, the first two books were very heavy business oriented. This is more for anybody that is intrigued on the story and I think wants to learn. And, and yes, there are business things in there because that's how my mind thinks. But it's uh, it was a lot of fun to write with Don Yeager and, and now share with the world. I love it. Let's bring it home here, Jesse. What is the single greatest piece of advice you've ever received that you take action on every day? 2013, my dad was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He also had, he had, he had colon cancer. He had two forms of cancer. He had one uh, tumor that was the size of a pear outside of his uh, liver. It was huge and it was serious. He was in the hospital for an entire year. I was back running our team in Gastonia at that point, And he was up in Massachusetts, Beth Israel Hospital. And every day I would call my dad and I'd say, Dad, how you doing? And he'd go, Jess, I'm great. What's going on with the team? What are you doing now? And every day I called him. He said, I'm great. I'm great. And... One day, about six months in, he was in the process of stem cell. And I said, uh, Dad, how you doing? He goes, I'm good, Jess. What's going on with you? I found out later, I talked to my stepmother and she said, it was the worst she's ever seen a human. He was 
throwing up the entire night. He looked like he was about to die. Jeez. And the next day I called again. I said, dad, how are you doing? I said, yes, I'm great. How are you doing? Three months later, they find out he's cancer free. He's in remission. The doctors come up to him and they told him he was the most positive patient they've ever had ever. Now I've got advice my whole life from a lot of different people. I've inspired my dad. When I was a kid, he said, just swing hard in case you hit it. That was advice that's always stayed with me, but it's not just that one saying or many sayings. It was watching my dad deal with adversity and how every day he said, I'm great. So when I look at anything, no matter what we're going through, to not worry about the small things, to remember that to stay positive and it'll conquer all. And that's what I think about daily. Dude, I got I got goosebumps on on that one. Jesse Cole, last but last but not least, you look back on your life, you look back at those tough times, those times you struggled, the times when you didn't make it to the majors, those times when you're figuring out what was next. And now gratitude for everything that you created. You I am I'm using this show as a freaking time capsule because where you're going to be and where the team's going to be six months from now, I can't believe that I'm having you on the show. But Jesse Cole, what keeps you focused? What is your compass? What is your North Star in life? <laughs> These, that's, a, that's a big question. You know, it is I, a big I, That's I, why I save it for last, man. I'm a showman too, I, man. I know, and I might not have a really prolific answer here. but Give me what you I got think, at 10.30 in the morning. Well, I, I, I think there's, uh, there's two things. I'll go with number one. Be patient in what you want for yourself, but be impatient in how much you give to others. And so on the back of our fans first playbook, that's what it says. And the more we give for others, everything else takes care of itself. And then the final thing, I think happiness, it really comes to just feeling, just doing things that just make you happy and joy. And the reality is don't try to make other people always happy. Just do what you enjoy and don't be afraid of being that person that you are, the one that you want to be. I'm a guy in a yellow tuxedo because this gives myself permission to have fun, gives everyone else permission to have fun. You know, don't worry about what other people think. Just be you, enjoy it and have fun and you'd be amazed at what happens. And so those two have really guided me with so many things. Amazing, incredible. Jesse, hang with me for one second here. This is awesome. I want everyone to check out the Savannah Bananas.com. Jesse's new book comes out next week. You can check it out on Amazon, I guess, wherever greater books are sold. This has been incredible. Jesse, thank you. I want everyone to check out Savannah uh, Banana Baseball, and you can find it on all social media channels. And everyone out there listening, if you like this, leave a review rating. It goes a long way. You can find out more at thepodcast.com. Remember, be good to yourself, be better to others. Take care and catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Thanks, everybody. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search the podcast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com. <laughs>